part of the human experience is experiencing different aspects of both sorrow and joy. And there's almost this pendulum swing that is part of our lives throughout the course of our lives. And so today in Psalm 30, we look at that aspect and we look at how David is rejoicing at the dedication of the temple because of God's faithfulness throughout our entire lives, through healing, through sorrow. And I think that informs us a lot about how God interacts with us throughout our lives as well. So I pray this episode blesses you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're going to be in Psalm chapter 30. This is a psalm that was a song that was for the dedication of the temple. This is written by David. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. O Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountains stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. 
You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. So Psalm 30 is really what we would call another psalm of thanksgiving. It could be seen as a prayer song of the sick. In the traditional reading, we would consider this a psalm of lament. Um, There's some complaining against God and complaining against enemies. Um, But there's also this idea of trust. And the element of trust is very difficult. I think in the ancient world, it's similar to how it is now. I don't know about you, but for me, it took me a really long time to trust God. It takes, I don't trust people, very, very few people in my life do I trust, but it took me a long time to even trust God, to trust that his, um, that his faithfulness was actually going to be faithful and that his love for me was not conditional. And it, it took me a long time to get to that place. And so what we're seeing here is, uh, the Psalmist David is lamenting some divine anger that he has experienced, probably as a result of his own consequences of his own sin. And then if he's, there's a sense that he's looking back over his life and he is also celebrating God's deliverance. We see that in verses 11 and 12. Overall, what we see in this psalm is both this understanding that God's presence is with us in both extremes, both sorrow and joy. And in the midst of both of those elements, we can trust God. And so for those of us that trust God, there's no surprise when joy eventually comes in the morning. I think about this psalm a lot for people that have lost someone, if they are grieving something or grieving a situation. We see David kind of talking about this sense of loss and grief and then also this sense of joy that comes after a period of mourning. We know that this psalm is a dedication of the temple and we see that when he says it's for the dedication of the house. Um, The house is really explaining God's house for sure, you know, God's temple. Um, But it's also a dedication of David's royal palace. We see that referred to in Second Samuel, I think it's chapter 5, where there's a point where David realizes that it was the Lord that has established his kingdom. And that establishment on by God on David's behalf was certainly this reason to reflect and celebrate. But at the same time, there's also an element of dedication of the tent that David erected for the ark in Jerusalem in Second Samuel. And that kind of connects everything with how uh, the psalmist David is dancing. We see that in Psalm 30. We see it in Second Samuel. And so if we're to take it literally, we're understanding this idea of celebration And metaphorically, we understand this idea of wailing and then dancing, really just describing the extremes of David's life. And so there's the parallel terms of sackcloth and joy, and it's talking really about this transition from sorrow into a joyful occasion. And so in that case, um, there's an element of sickness that's talked about. Uh, let's see, verses two. Oh Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. And then verse three, oh Lord, you brought me up from the grave and you spared me from going down into the pit. 
So there's some something that he has been healed of. On he was on the brink of death, and God brought him back, and and that's a fitting metaphor for David's whole life, really. I mean, we see that pattern repeated throughout his life, and so. Of course, uh, as David is preparing for the temple project, uh, we read about that in First Chronicles 22, there's a possibility that this psalm was written for the dedication of Solomon's temple even. And perhaps it was even written by David anticipating that that was going to happen eventually and it could be applied later. And, but to be perfectly honest, there could it could have been a combination of a number of all of these things, the, the reason why David wrote it when he did. Um, but we can definitely tell that it is a psalm that is really a commemoration. I can never say that word. (laughs) Uh, The dedication of the temple. Verse 1, it says, I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. I love that imagery. And that word exalt is, um, I will exalt you, O Lord. That word exalt is a Hebrew verb. And it means, I think it's pronounced rum or room, R-U-M. It means to be high. And so while we can't um, imagine lifting God any higher than he is, essentially this is talking about the idea of him being lifted up within our own lives and us placing him in this position of honor that he he needs to be in. And I think it's also interesting to to add that when it's talking about being lifted out, that verb lifted out is really talking about, it says you lifted me out of the depths. It's really talking about um, pulling a drowning person out of water. And so if you're thinking about this in that sense, I will exalt you, O Lord, meaning I'm going to lift you into the highest place in my life, O Lord, because you were the one that lifted me out of the water when I was drowning. If you haven't listened to my podcast on that, I I almost drowned when I was a kid, and that experience changed everything for me. And I it's one of the previous podcast episodes. I think it's in the Desires of the Heart series. Um, but that feeling has happened to me spiritually too. There was seasons of my life where I literally. You know, I've had that literal experience of drowning, but I've experienced that spiritually drowning. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but sometimes I think we, even as believers, we hit this situation where we feel in over our heads and we don't know how we got there. We don't know how we got ourselves into it. Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it's a situation that we might have felt powerless over. We just feel over our heads. And when when the Holy Spirit steps in, and rescues you from that. The automatic response of our heart is exalting him to the highest place. Like I I won't ever doubt God's presence in my life after experiencing his hand of rescue over and over and over in my life. And so that's what we're seeing here. That's, that's how David is approaching this psalm. Like, okay, God, I've, I've seen you rescue me. You've pulled me out as I was drowning and you pulled me out of the water. And as a result, I am lifting you up to the highest place in my life. I just, I love that metaphor. In verse 2, again, it's talking about him being healed. And and that verb where he's talking about healing, it implies that there was an an illness involved for sure. But I I also think that perhaps there was a spiritual element to that. And um, for David, I, I think maybe it might even have been a metaphor for his whole life rather than a specific experience. 
I think healing sometimes is a process. Sometimes, you know, and I'm talking about spiritual healing. Um, you know, physical healing, I think, is the same thing. For, for physical healing, sometimes God will heal supernaturally, and sometimes it, he uses doctors and medicine, and there's nothing wrong with using doctors and medicine. Um, but spiritual healing is a little bit different. Spiritual healing sometimes is a, is a process. And, you know, of course you'll hear these testimonies of how, you know, God healed me of such and such spiritual condition and I was, you know, I never, I never looked back and that sin was never part of my life again. And that's great when that happens. That's not the, that's not the norm though. And I have been guilty of maybe even thinking or expecting that too. Like there's been times in my life where I've, wanted healing in a certain area of my life, spiritual healing, or even healing from past trauma. And what I have learned in my journey over the last several years to heal from childhood trauma is that it happens over a process of time. Because I think if I were to be faced with all of the things I needed healed from right now, all in in one fell swoop, it would be overwhelming. I think it's overwhelming to us to think through all the things that we need healed from at once. But when we start on this this path of healing with God's help, that is a process that as we are ready, he reveals things to us or he helps us walk through them. And I think that's what we're seeing with David. Like he has walked through this life of being healed by God. In verse 3, O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down to the pit. This, this again, this is this metaphor of being in the realm of the dead. That's what it's, ta- it's talking about, the Sheol in Hebrew. It's a parallel to the pit. And if you think about uh, our relationship with God that we have because of Jesus, he really did rescue us from, from the realm of the dead, from the pit. Like, we because we've all sinned, we've all gotten to this place, or I mean, we're born with that, that, um, sinful nature, but we've all gotten to ourselves into this place where we have been overcome by sin. And, and that's not hard to do. I mean, even in our relationships with people that we love, we still sin against them. I mean, we still get angry or we still get to a place of, you know, perhaps saying a lie or not, There's just all so many different dynamics involved in relationships. And and by all means, I'm not endorsing that. I'm just saying, like, even with the people that we love, we find ourselves sinning against them. And so, of course, the people we don't love, it's that much easier to sin against them. It's part of the human condition. It's why we need Jesus. It's why we need the Holy Spirit's help. And so we've all been on that trajectory, that path. That's where we all started. That's our default position. Our default position is headed towards hell. That's the honest truth of it. And it, without God's intervention on our behalf, that's where we would end up. And so sometimes we recognize that, sometimes we don't. But when it's talking about being brought up from the realm of the dead, we that's all of us, all of us that claim to be followers of God. I love in verse 5 where it talks about this human condition. It says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Sometimes there is this feeling of God being angry with our sin and angry with the things that we've done outside of his plan. But essentially, that anger 
which is really a consequence of our own poor decisions, that anger only lasts a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Again, we see this idea of relationship. And if I think about this in terms of my own children, if one of them does something that in disobedience that they know they're not supposed to do, as a, a parent, a loving parent that cares about them, that has established rules and boundaries for their good, it does anger me when they have not followed those boundaries because those boundaries are put in place because as their mother, I know what's best for them. So yes, it does anger me when they've especially willfully sinned or willfully disobeyed a boundary I've set in place. But that anger lasts only a moment because favor lasts a lifetime. That relationship I have with them, that's that's the key my relationship with them is not going to change just because I'm angry with them. My relationship, the the position I hold as their parent is not going to change just because I'm angry with them. Is the anger justified? Yes. Is the anger because I love them? Yes. Is the anger because they willfully sinned or did something in disobedience? Yes. It doesn't change the fact that I'm their mom. And I think sometimes we forget that with God because there are instances where we are in our sin and in our mess and there is consequence to that and it does anger God. And we can just give up and think, okay, well, I'm just not good enough. That's that's not the case at all. The reason why God gets angry with us is because he loves us. Because he has the best plan in mind for us. It's the sin that we commit willfully against him that angers him. And But that doesn't change the fact that we're still his children. We're still his kids. And this whole weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. I can't tell you the number of times where I haven't even been harsh with my kids, but I have said, like, I have one daughter where I just look at her sternly and she'll cry. And so if there's been a moment of disobedience and I've had, there's been consequence, whether it's, me kind of pulling away from her, my whatever my anger results in, her weeping is a response, but that is temporary. And you know what? The morning comes, we're making pancakes, we're good as gold because there's there's this forgiveness that happens and this restoration of relationship that we and that's how what we have with God through Jesus. And so this idea of um consequence and anger and weeping it's not taking away anything from our relationship with God in fact it's why we experience that because he loves us so much I just love that picture and as a parent I think that has made me understand that so much better in fact I want to go down to verse 11 verse 11 says you turned my wailing into dancing you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy I love that imagery sackcloth was worn as a sign of mourning and deep sorrow and what this is referring to is God is replacing those mourning clothes with um, like a festival garment and that imagery I think is so powerful when it comes to our security in God in fact back in verse 6 it says when I felt secure I said I will never be shaken this confidence that that we're seeing David talk about is um, due to the success he has gained from God. It was God-given success. And so David assumes that nothing could 
ever destroy his security in his relationship with God. However, when we see in the life of David, when God withdraws his protection and allows some serious trouble to come in his life, he realizes, David as a psalmist, realizes again that he needs to depend on God for his continual care and protection and guidance. And sometimes we need to experience the troubling times in our life in order to keep us faithful and dependent on God. I think that trouble comes when we try to do things on our own, in our own will, in our own strength, on our own path. And so this psalm in some ways can be used as a warning for anybody that's feeling secure in their own strength and in their own path. There's really no stability in life when anything in our lives has priority over God or his kingdom or God's purpose. We might feel stable if if we're doing things on our own, but that's going to be temporary. The real stability comes when we recognize that it's only through God's hand that we're able to accomplish anything, that we're have, able to have any kind of longevity in anything. We're seeing here throughout this psalm a reflection on David's recovery from a, a season of crisis and the heading when it's talking about the dedication of the house it sometimes is hard to make the connection between the two like what's the trajectory that we draw from the the dedication of the house to David's personal recovery but i think that's one of the most important aspects of this psalm we're seeing two extremes in his life and that is very much a picture of what we see for Israel as a nation there is this constant um, two, double, double side of things that we see. We see lament, and then we see thanksgiving. And it, it's a life and death struggle that we see that's marked by David's reign as king that was very, very long. But on this national scale, Israel's history could be charted along that same path between these two extremes. And so the dedication of the house, whether we're talking about the temple or the palace or even later Solomon's temple, would be a positive part of Israel's history. And, you know, even Samuel remarks that David's building of the palace is marking a point when then he, where he knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and had, had pushed his kingdom high and exalted it really for the sake of God's people of Israel. And so there's a metaphorical interpretation of this psalm that makes a lot of sense because it's viewed as charting these broad swings in David's life that is also metaphorical of the broad swings that we see in Israel as a, as a people group. And overall, the tone of this psalm is joy. He is reflecting on the things that um, were hard and difficult in his life, but but the focus is really on joy. And so when it talks about weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, it's really framing this idea of joy because of God's goodness. And And for David, as the psalmist, it would be a musical celebration, really, of the extremities that you see in life. And mo- most human lives experience that, especially lives that are long. We we have sickness and then we have healing. We have death to life in our salvation. We 
understand God's anger and God's wrath. And as we surrender and we start living a life pursuing righteousness and surrendering to God and being obedient, then we find God's favor. Um, we go from weeping to joy. We go from mourning and sackcloth to gladness. We go from being silent and still within our spirits to praising God. And so we see this back and forth. Um, it's just a replication of what we go through in our human experience as well. I think on a personal level, we we probably all have these times in a life where it swings both ways. Like when we face times of difficulty, it's so easy to get discouraged because as believers, we just have this expectation that our life shouldn't be hard. And if God really loved me and is in control, why am I going through something that's so challenging? The reality is, is that all of us struggle. It, it's part of the human experience. We live in a fallen world. Um, outside of Eden, you know, after that original sin, we and sin under the world, we, we live in that place where sin is part and parcel, part of the human experience. And so there's almost like a swing of the pendulum to kind of illustrate these highs and lows that go throughout our own lives. And that's not unlike David's. It's not unlike the original audience that he was writing to. There are times that we struggle. And yet what we see is God is there and gives us peace and encourages us and walks us through those times. And there are times where we can have great joy and great peace in our lives. We have different cycles depending on our own individual situation. But it's important to emphasize that everyone goes through hard times and everyone goes through good times. And so the truth is that we will get through most of these challenges and periods of suffering. We're going to get through most of them. And after a time or a season of struggling, there typically is a season of peace. And so that can be an encouragement when you're going through that troubling time. And it also is an encouragement because it teaches you about an aspect of God. There, there's a certain aspect of God that we can only learn in our suffering. We only learn about his presence, his very real presence in suffering when we are suffering. And so don't waste those moments because yes, there's this pendulum swing and we're going to get to the other side of this. But I think from my own life, what I have experienced is that when I'm in those seasons of suffering, I'm just longing for that next step. I'm longing for that next season of peace or joy. And I'm not taking full advantage of the season that I'm in. And that may sound weird, but but hear me out when I say that there's an aspect of God's character and nature when we are suffering that we can only experience in that season. And, and that is such a tender, sweet thing to know the God who meets us where we're at in our brokenness, in our suffering, in our sorrow. And and so I want to leave you with that as I reread Psalm 30. And and I think the encouragement is, is no matter where you're at, on, on which side of the pendulum swing, or if you're on the sorrow side or you're on the joy side, that God's presence is just as real in, in each of those situations. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night. But rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. O Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountains stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. 
What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Father God, that's our prayer even now, that we would give you thanks forever. God, we thank you for the moments that you have seen us through, those difficult times where we have experienced brokenness or sorrow or when we've been sick or close to death. Lord, even in the moments before we knew you, before we came to faith in you, um, we thank you for your hand that was upon us. We thank you that even in your anger, it doesn't change your relationship with us, that you're still a good father. And God, help us to see that in those moments where we sense your anger, it's because you're a good father. It's because you love us. It's because you want your best plan for us. God, thank you for the way that you continue to pursue us in that relationship and help us to respond and be overwhelmed with the amount of love that you have for us. Lord, I pray for my friends today that they would continue to learn more about you in the way that you continually love them. God, I thank you that you are a God of sorrows as much as you are a God of joy, and that you're with us in each of those human emotions. In Jesus' name, amen. friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.